Welcome to Wednesday Night Worship and Word. I pray you and your family are doing well. It's great to know all of our children are getting back into the school, and so far things are going really well with that. Please continue to pray for our children this school year, that God covers them with their protection and comforts them and strengthens them and uses them uh, and their classmates and their teachers to let their light shine uh, as much as they can. This coming Sunday, I'm pleased to announce that we'll have a drive-in service at 1115. Feel free to bring your lawn chairs if you feel comfortable. You can sit outside of your car. If you feel safer to stay in your car, you can do that as well. You can roll down your window and you can hear the service uh, as we sing and minister this coming Sunday. Again, make sure you help spread this word because we want a great attendance. Get everybody out here this Sunday at 1115 for a great service. We're going to get right into the word today. 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 8 through 13. And we're going to skip down to verses 18 through 20. Again, that's 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 8 through 13 and 18 through 20. The Bible says this, And then Helkai, the high priest, said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Helkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king, and brought the king word again, and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house, and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Achim the son of Shaphan, and Achbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah the servant of the king, saying, Go ye and inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to do according unto all that was written concerning us. We're going to skip down to verse number 18 through 20. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, the Lord speaking after, after the men of God go before the Lord, the Lord begins to respond, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thy heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou hearest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and accursed, and has rent thy clothes and wept before me. And I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Verse 20, the last verse here, Behold, therefore I will gather unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and that I shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. Today we're going to talk about this topic, the power of obedience, the power of obedience. Let's take a few moments and let us pray together. Lord, we love you and we praise you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything you've done, Lord, everything you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together today, Lord, one mind, one accord. God, I know we're separated, Lord God, by miles, Lord Jesus, but we know that your spirit, God, brings us together, draws us together at this time, Lord. I pray, Lord, today you give us ears to hear today, Lord, and a heart to receive. I pray, Lord, you check our spirits today, Lord, if we have any sin in our hearts. 
God, I pray, Lord, you forgive us, Lord God, for anything that we've said, anything we've heard, anything that we've thought, done, or touched, Lord God. Please forgive us. God, help us, Lord God, to come to you, Lord God, with the pure hands and clean hearts. Lord, we love you and we praise you, Lord God. Have your will and your way through this service. God, help us, Lord God, to reach out, Lord, like we never have before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, the title, The Power of Obedience. Very similar to our study last week, we find ourselves watching a transformation taking place in Israel. Last week, it was Joash who realized the temple was not treated like it was supposed to be treated. And he says, hey, we're going to get back to the basics. Even though my father and my grandfather disrespected this place, I believe during my reign that we're going to get this where it needs to go again. We're going to get the house of God back to the basics. This week we have Josiah, who is in similar shoes, because Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, has made a mess out of the kingdom of Israel. He has brought so many negative things to this great nation that God is ready to destroy it. Idol worship and unrighteous living have become the norm. They have become comfortable with living outside the realm of God. They've become comfortable with doing their own thing. It's interesting as I was heading over here to to minister today, I began to really think about this and how God showed and how God laid some things out for Israel. God had been faithful to Israel year after year. The reading that is discovered and given to Josiah is reading that all of these kings would have had access to. They would have access to the book of the laws. They would have access to the scriptures that Josiah is sitting here reading with his men. But yet they didn't take the time to really dig into them. Or maybe they did take the time to dig into them, but thought, you know what? We really don't need this right now. And as we look on these kings, we think, man, why wouldn't you follow simple directions? Because what they would have found is every time Israel did what was right in the sight of God, they were blessed, they were powerful, they were anointed. And man, every time they decided to do their own thing, every time they decided to fall into their own lust, and every time they decided to do things that would excel them as a king, Israel fell into desolation and Israel fell into bondage. And I took a step back and thought, God, why does this happen? Why does this keep happening over and over again? And why do we as people and as Christians right now do the same thing? Because we can look at Manasseh and all these men and think, why would you take something so powerful and something great and throw it away? And we do that ourselves. We do that ourselves even here in 2020 where God has instructed us and told us, hey, if you do this thing and that thing and you follow my will and you go about the way that I tell you to go, things will be pretty good. We're going to have issues. Things are going to come up. Bad seasons are going to happen. But what are the other things that we're missing? There's peace that passes all understanding that we miss when we don't follow the will of God. There's joy that's unspeakable and full of glory that we miss out on because we don't follow the will of God. There's the promise of making heaven our home if something happens tonight or tomorrow or a week down the road that when you miss out on when we don't follow the voice and the direction of God. So I want to challenge you today as we're beginning to go through the Scripture and talk about being obedient to God is why do we do these things? Why do we fall into temptation? Why do we allow ourselves to get to a place like Manasseh gets Israel? Why do we allow ourselves to get to the place where we put the things of God in the back burner and we don't focus on what His will is? I know for myself that 
I've fallen into this several times, been being raised in church. There's been moments that I take a step back and say, Wes, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you allow yourself to fall into that? You know that if you turn it on, it's not going to be good for you. You know if you drink it, if you smoke it, if you partake in it. You know if you go around these certain friends that you're going to fall into those temptations. So why do we do it? Why do we allow ourselves to get to that place? And I really want us to think about that because God wants better for us. God has great things for us. As we look here of Josiah's grandfather, we see that he had reigned for 55 years. Typically when a king has reigned for 55 years, especially during the time of the Israelites in the Old Testament, we think that they're a great king. They've been powerful. They've, they've had the blessings of God upon their lives. But that's not so with Manasseh. In fact, the majority of the time that Manasseh was king, things were, were, were just a mess. Things weren't like they were supposed to be. We find out that things got so bad in 2 Kings chapter 21 that the Lord declared that He was going to destroy the city of Jerusalem because of the direction that Manasseh had taken them. Remember when, in verse number 18 through 20, when we looked at Josiah, the Lord says, hey, my plan was to completely destroy Jerusalem. Manasseh would not be the king that would have to deal with this prophetic word. Unfortunately, Josiah is the one that inherits this mess and the issues that his grandpa handed down to him. If we're not careful, we'll get something as great as the church. And if we do not take care of it properly, instead of leaving our children a rich heritage, we leave them with baggage and issues that they have to sort out on their own. I don't want to leave my children with that. I don't want to leave this church that way. Whenever it's my time to move on and take my spot up in heaven and move on from this earth, I hope that I have left a heritage that is rich, that is powerful, that is leading our children in the right direction, and that I don't leave them with prophetic words of destruction. We've got to be careful what we leave. Because of the disobedience of Manasseh, an entire nation would soon have to pay because their leader said, I'd rather enjoy the fleshly things of this world than the godly things that I'm supposed to be doing. Fortunately, for the time being, a young man named Josiah hears the word of the Lord. And it's at the reading of the law that instead of continuing his grandfather's unfaithfulness, he begins to shift the tide for the nation of Israel. Josiah understands the importance of obedience. Josiah, why aren't you doing the things that your father and your grandfather did? Why don't you go ahead and keep going down this path? And Josiah says, hey, I read something in the Word of God, in the law, that as a king I have a responsibility to this great nation to go down the path that God wants us to go down. I could have went to the left and I could have went to the right, but I'm not going to allow this nation to do that. Why? 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 2, the Bible describes Josiah this way, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way that his David his father, and turned not aside to the right side or to the left, just like last week, is something to do with the heart. It's all about the heart. I don't think it's a coincidence that the scribes and the, and the men of God found the book of the law when they found it. 
I believe God looked down on Josiah and says, hey, if he can get into the Word, if he can get into the Scripture, if he can begin to read the law and the Word, then there's going to be a shift that takes place in Israel. Why? Because he understood the heart of Josiah, not wanting to be like everybody else wants to be. As you continue to read in the book of 2 Kings, you find that Josiah was not giving place for false idols. He was not giving place for unrighteous living. He said, God told us to do it this way, we're going to do it that way. The Word of God came forth and that's what we're going to follow, is what the Word of God says to do. We can't alter things around us just because we don't want to make decisions. Just because we don't want to be the guy that says, hey, we're going to change this. I'm sure Josiah was probably not popular with everybody. People had become comfortable with living an unrighteous life. I'm sure looked at Josiah and says, why don't you just let us be? We've lived this way this whole time. Why don't you just let us enjoy life? Why don't you just let us enjoy the fleshly things of life? And Josiah said, not on my watch. This isn't going to be what I'm going to be remembered for. He said, we must follow the Word of God that's been presented to us. Man has always done their things their own way. And look at the mess that we're in. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Romans chapter 5, verse 19 speaks of this. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. What's this going back to? This is going clear back to the time of Adam. Because Adam's disobedience brought sin into this earth. An entire world had to be birthed into sin. Even as a child, we're birthed into sin. That's why salvation is so important. That's why we have to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost is because we can go back to the time of Adam when because of what he did, we were sinners. But there is hope. It doesn't just stop with sin. But the Scripture goes on to say, but by, but by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Because Jesus Christ went to the cross the cross that He did not deserve, the pain that He did not warrant Himself, the ridicule that should have never fell on Him, because He took that stuff upon Him, we can fall into a place of righteousness now. Even though we were born into sin, sin doesn't have to be our final sentence. But now we can be birthed out of sin and into the righteousness of God. Why? Because Jesus was obedient. How more should we be obedient? Imagine the course that we can change for the next generation if we would just be obedient. Imagine the gains that we would make right now as a church during this time if we would just learn to be obedient and follow the voice in the Word of God. If we said, you know what, I understand that in the past people kind of uh, straddled the fence. They, they got as close as they could because they liked being there. They got as close as they could because they could still live a little bit in the world and, and on come to church on Sundays and have a little bit of God. Can I tell you the things of God and the things of the flesh will never mix together? You're going to find yourself in, a pain, in pain and suffering because the things of God and the things of this world do not mix. That's why people are constantly reaching out and saying, okay, I, I want to go ahead and, and I want to enjoy this thing on Saturday, but I also want to enjoy the blessings of God on Sunday. We try to take a little bit here and a little bit there and say, I like these two pieces, let's put them together. 
There's an old saying for that. That we want our cake and we want to eat it too. I'm sure your parents have told you that before. You want both sides to work and it's not going to be that way. I'm thankful today that I don't have to live with the issues that were brought down before us. But through the obedience of God and through the obedience of me and through the obedience of you, we can pull ourselves out. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 18 through 19 touches base on this. It says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now this new thing, it shall bring forth, shall ye know it not? I will even make a way in the wilderness, in rivers, in the desert. He's saying, listen, there's some things that's come upon you that you don't have to live with any longer. There's some people that sound in my voice that you were born into some things, into an identity that you don't have to keep any longer. You were born into a place of generational curses that no longer do you have to allow to live on you any longer. Mom and dad used to drink. Grandma and grandpa used to drink. Great-grandma and grandpa used to do drugs. It's just a generational thing. It's just who we are. That can end with you today. You don't have to allow that thing and those issues and no addictions to attach to you any longer. But through your obedience, you can come to an altar and say, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. God, I don't want to live with this issue. I don't want to live with this addiction. I I know my, my grandparents and my parents passed it down to me. But God, I don't want to pass this mess down to my children. And you don't have to today. Because God says, listen, if you will allow some things to take place, allow the old things to pass off, I'm going to do something new in your life. And not only will I do something new in your life, but it's going to spring forth a revival. It's going to spring forth a blessing. It's going to spring forth something great. He says, listen, in the middle of your wilderness, as you're wandering around, I'm going to make a way. The wilderness is a place of wandering, not knowing where you're going to go, not knowing where you're going to end up tonight when you lay your head down at bed. You don't know what you're going to face. But he says, listen, in the middle of your wandering, I'm going to make a path begin to open up. I'm going to give you direction in the middle of wandering. He says, I'm not only going to do that, but in your desert, I'm going to produce rivers. Water should never be in a desert. When you're in a desert place, you should be thirsty. You should be hurting. There's not going to be a whole lot there. There's not going to be much food or drink. It's going to be a place that's uncomfortable. But God says in the middle of your desert, if you'll do the things I ask you to do, I'll make a river develop. Why? Because God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything we can ask or think according to the faith that's within us. If we allow our obedience and our faith to begin to go forwards and to begin to attach ourselves to God, great things can happen. We have to allow God to work. And how do we allow God to work? It's through our obedience. I think of Noah. Noah, why in the world would you build a giant ark for animals and for a few people when you have never felt the rain before? Listen, you're looking at yourself right now or people are looking at you. Why in the world would you keep coming to church when you've never spoken in tongues yourself? Why in the world would you keep going when you've never felt the presence of God yourself? Because one day, you're going to feel that rain fall on top of you. 
One day you're going to feel that anointing come on top of you. Why in the world would you prepare for something that you've never experienced before? We're, exper- we're, we're preparing right now for a rapture that we've never experienced before. We're preparing right now for a revival we've never experienced before. We're preparing right now for a heaven that we've never walked in before. But why do we do that? Because God says it's going to happen. And I want to make sure if God says it's going to happen, that I'm ready and I'm obedient. I'm sure there were moments when, when Noah and his family were made fun of. I'm sure there were moments when people walked by and said, oh, look how silly you are today. No, you're still building that silly little ark in the middle of a place that's not even close to water. You're still building a silly little ark waiting for something to fall down from heaven that you've never experienced before. Why do we do this thing? Why everyone else is living it up? I guarantee there were moments that Noah was like, man, this is tough. I guarantee there were moments that his wife said, should we really keep going? I'm sure there were moments that his sons came to him with his wives and said, hey, Dad, is this really the right direction? But I believe something inside of Noah said, I've got to keep pushing because God's Word says it's coming. I've got to still be obedient in the middle of my desert. I've still got to be obedient whether I see the hand of God or not. I've still got to be obedient whether the rain is falling right now or not because my family is depending on me. I guarantee you as those raindrops begin to fall, something, remember, rain right now, rain right now would not concern any of us. But at that moment, these people, this nation had never experienced rain before. Rain had never fallen on the face of the earth. The dew had come up and water things. But I guarantee as that first raindrop began to fall, something in the spirit of Noah rejoiced. I was obedient to the voice and the Word of God. And that obedience is going to save my entire family. Come on, your obedience will save your entire family from drowning in this world. I guarantee you there were moms and dads that that were living it up, that were looking around saying, oh my goodness, what did we miss out on? The obedience of God is important. Winston Churchill is famous for bringing England back from the brink of disaster. Andrew McCartan wrote a book about this. He began to compare two leaders during this time, in Hitler and Churchill. He said, Hitler focused on I and emphasized the word I in every speech he made. But Churchill understood the power of we. Churchill understood when he said we, it united an entire nation together to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. Everyone came together at the word of we. Understand today, church is not an I thing. Church is a we thing. Church is a kingdom thing. It's a kingdom of God thing. Josiah looked at the nation and said, we are in trouble if something doesn't change. It wasn't, I'm in trouble if something doesn't change. He says, if we don't change, something bad is going to happen. He didn't do it just for himself, but he did this for an entire kingdom. This kingdom is my responsibility. I've got to do something. Listen, this city is our responsibility as a church. It's not just our pastor's responsibility or our bishop's responsibility or the pastoral team's responsibility. But the city of Muncie 
is a we thing. And it's going to take us all working together, all being obedient to allow ourselves to enter into something great. Josiah pulled an entire nation out of a certain death. Listen, the Word of God spoke and said, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem because of how they're living. But Josiah's action, the Bible says because your heart was tender and because your response was renting your clothes and falling out in repentance is the only reason that I'm changing the narrative. Right now we can change the narrative. We can go from certain destruction to revival. Obedience doesn't always make sense to us, but that's okay because God's in charge. He knows all and He sees all. He's not surprised with what's taking place right now. He's not caught off guard with how the world is turning out in 2020. But He still knows that there is a church that is looking at the law and the Word of God that says, I don't want to be like everybody else. And even though everybody else, amen, is running around and everybody else is scared and worried, there is still a church that says, God, even though it looks bleak right now, I still want revival. Even though it looks like we're not going to make it out, I still want revival. Even though it doesn't look like we're going to have an end, I still want a revival. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be obedient to the Word of God. There would have been a lot of similarities between Manasseh and Josiah how they were raised. They would have been raised very similar. But there was also a big difference. Manasseh wanted fame and success. He wanted power and authority. But all Josiah wanted was to be faithful. All Josiah wanted was to be obedient. All Josiah wanted to hear was, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on, we can reach out and we can look for for success. We can look for money. We can look for the greatest things, for fame, popularity. But as you really think about it, you look at people that are famous, people that have a lot of money, people that are prosperous, and they still have issues. Money can't cure everything. Money cannot solve every problem and every issue. Living for God is going to take care of the majority of the issues that you have right now. Living for God is going to give you peace when those bad seasons do come. When the difficult places happen, God can still bring you peace. God can still bring you joy. Josiah was more focused on being obedient. And he found out that obedience brought forth the success that Manasseh never had. How do you measure success today? Manasseh says, hey, I need all these materialistic things. I I need to feel good. I I need to have people looking at me. I need to have people celebrating me. But Josiah says, that's not the definition of success. The definition of success is for me to take a step back and bring this great nation back under the subjection and the obedience of God where it belongs. We don't do things just to be blessed. We do things because we want to be faithful and obedient to God. But understand, being obedient and faithful to God has a byproduct of success. As we begin to end our service and our time together today, I really need you to take a time and reflect. Pastor recently posted something about our priorities and making sure our personal priorities were in place. Not the priorities that the world gives us, 
Not the priority that your job gives you. Not the priority that your family gives you. But what priority do you have right now? Our priorities have to focus in on God and what God has for us. Our priorities have to be driven and focused on the Word of God. Because when we allow those things to go first, when we allow the things of God to be first, everything else has to fall in place. Yes, there's going to be difficult times. Yes, there's going to be battles that we don't win. In fact, if you continue to read Josiah's life, he wasn't king for all that long. and He actually died in a battle that he was not told to go into. As we read, one of the important things that really needs to stick out to us at the beginning in 2 Kings chapter 22, the Lord spoke and says, hey, you need to speak to Josiah and you need to tell him that he changed things first of all because he ran his clothes and he humbled himself before the Lord. But the second thing is, he himself will not experience the things that his grandfather and his father brought on him. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful that God says, listen, because your faithfulness and your obedience was there, and because you had a heart after my own heart, I'm going to take care of you? God loves you today. If you feel like you're in a mess, if you feel like your family's in a mess, and you've never allowed God to be the pinnacle of your life, can I challenge you to change that? This Sunday at 11.15, we're going to gather together. And I believe you can pull up in your car. And sitting in your car or out in a, in a lawn chair, God can touch you. God can rewrite your story if you're obedient to Him. And what's the first thing about being obedient to God? Is getting to the house of the Lord and making God a priority. I love you. I appreciate you. Take care this week. I need you to pray. Pray for over yourself. Pray over your family. Pray for each other that God would move in a great way. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you, God. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today. God, I pray, Lord God, that this word that's going forth, Lord God, would set in somebody's heart, that they would be challenged, that they would be moved, God, in such a way that they would want to change their narrative, God. Lord, help them, Lord God, to understand that being obedient opens the door to some things in their family. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we honor you. God, keep us safe this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This Sunday, 11.15, I hope to see you there. God bless.